Amen. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's uh, a prayer that uh, the Jewish people would um, say three times a day, every morning, every evening, and uh, before they would go to bed, and they would repeat that. And it was just embedded into their culture, their understanding of who God is, who they are. Um, so when Jesus was asked, he said, what's the, the greatest command? Um, they're trying to trap him into you know, saying something that they could argue with. And, and uh, usually when Jesus was asked a question, how does he respond? With a question, right? Um, but a handful of times he actually would uh, respond very straightforwardly. And uh, this is one of those times when they say, what's, what's the greatest command? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And that is the second part of the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he adds you know, the other part, which is love your neighbor as yourself, putting those two things together. And there was no disagreement. There was no argument. They full, wholeheartedly agreed. They're like, yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. We can't you know, uh, argue against that. And uh, one of the things that you understand about the Jewish you know, culture and, and religion and, and identity is that they, they believed that uh, loving the Lord your God with all your strength meant that you did acts of service, that you did good deeds or acts of charity. That was just part of, of how they understood the law, that that's part of how you please God. It's part of what he requires of you, what he wants from you. You do good deeds. And so Jesus, when he answers that question and it kind of embeds this uh, ethic into Christianity, we understand that it's part of what it means to be a Christian is that we serve, that we do things in, in acts of obedience and acts of service and acts of charity and generosity, uh, serving God, serving each other. But we have this other thing that kind of steers us off course a little bit with that. I don't know if it steers us off course, but it kind of informs this whole thing a little bit, which is that we are not saved by observing the law, right? We understand that you, you can't save yourself by observing the law, by doing good deeds, that you can't earn your way into heaven, that, that it's by grace through faith. That's it. He does it for you. In fact, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he paid for every sin. He, he fulfilled the law completely so that you don't have to. And so even though as a Christian, we are still supposed to do good deeds and, and uh, do acts of charity and serve the Lord, it's almost like we, we began to think that it is optional. The Jewish people believed it was uh, required. It, it was something that was automatic. It was part of what it meant to be Jewish. It was part of what it meant to, to be in a relationship with God. Um, and as Christians, we kind of think that it's a little bit optional. Now, here's what's interesting is that um, the very passage that we use to, to help us to understand that we're not saved by works, only by grace through faith, it, you know, you, you probably hear that on almost a weekly basis, right? <laughs> we quote it constantly. It's Ephesians um, and chapter 
2 and uh, verse uh, 9 and 10. Okay, it says, By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, we get that part. But the second part of it is this in verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So automatically or, or intrinsically in the scripture, you have this, this theological statement. We're not saved by what we do for God. We're saved by what he did for us. But then, so that we don't get too far off track, he says, but you were created to, to do good work. This is what you were made for. This is what God intended for you. And so it's not, um, it's not optional. As much as we might think it is or hope that it is or, or want it to be, it's not optional. It's part of what it means to be a Christian. And uh, so here's what our tendency is that in our human nature, um, we don't, <laughs> maybe this is just me. I know this is me, definitely. We don't like to be told what to do, right? Like, I, I got this, and you don't tell me what. But here's what um, Hebrews 10 um, helps us to understand, that it is not your nature necessarily to want to serve others. It's not, some people have more of a tendency towards that, but, but most people in their human nature, uh, we want to take care of ourselves, make sure our house is in order, make sure our stuff is right, our time is ours. And then if we have some leftover, then we kind of will give that, donate that, help with that, serve others in that. But generally speaking, the human nature is inherently selfish, okay? So Scripture has to constantly um, help us to understand the need that we have to be intentional about serving. It's not just going to come naturally to you necessarily. You're not just going to you know, always want to. So it's, it's a discipline. Just like worship is a discipline, like reading scripture is a discipline, like praying is a discipline. Like these are things that you don't just necessarily automatically do just because you want to. Sometimes you need to be kind of pushed or encouraged or helped to do that. And so Hebrews 10 um, verse uh, 24 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. And then the, the second part of that, which you've probably heard a lot because preachers love this passage, not neglecting to meet together as, a, as is the habit of some, because we want to make sure church attendance is high. That's, that's where I get all my bonuses from, is that, that's a joke. So, um, but we, we do feed on this sense of like, well, we've got to make sure everybody gets together. Um, it's important. We emphasize that. But the first part, we don't emphasize very much, right? Spur each other on towards love and good deeds. Let me tell you that that, unfortunately, is not a very good translation. Stir up. Um, the NIV, I think, uses uh, spur. And now, has, has anybody ever used spurs? I know one of the Gochi girls had some spurs on her, her cowboy boots the other night. Um, you know, I see them in cowboy movies. That's about it. But... What are, they, what are they used for? A spur. You get on a horse, you dig into the ribs of that horse so it'll do something, right? I mean, it's not gentle. Like, it's not comfortable. It's not pleasant. Like, it is intended to hurt to get that horse to do something. And, the, and, the past, and that's not even 
as strong of a word as what it actually appears in Greek, which is um, to provoke. Uh, we're, we're, we're intending to um, provoke people to love and good deeds. It's almost kind of a weird, you know, irony that we're provoking you to love. <laughs> what do you usually provoke people to? A fight, right? Anger, like, or jealousy. It's like it's a bad thing, like it's a negative. And provoking you, if you were just to say provoke somebody, then automatically you're like, that's, you're instigating something negative. Uh, Paul used that term when he was talking about the gospel to the Gentiles, hoping to provoke the Israelites or the Jewish people to the gospel. Like he wants them to see all the good that's happening in the Gentiles so that they'll actually provoke deeds is this issue that if you can kind of um, illustrate it, you know, in this way, it's as if it's a sanctified kick in the butt, right? I mean, that's what it is. Like, you, you're not naturally going to do the things in your own human nature that you ought to do, and you need some help to get to that other level. How do you get to that other level? Fellowship of the body and, specifically, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit you're done. Like you don't, have, you don't have the ability, you don't have the power, you don't have the motivation, you don't have the inspiration, you don't have the understanding, you don't have what you need. With the Holy Spirit, you have something extra to get you to that new level of what we might call spirituality, service, discipleship, maturity. Like this is what we need. And so what we want to look at here is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at the first 11 verses to understand how the Holy Spirit helps us to do good works. And why this is important, I felt like in this kind of final message before the, uh, the next few months is because the church um, needs to see, understand how every piece, every part, every participant, every member is important to the function, to the health, to the growth, to the quality of this church. It's not one person, it's not one aspect of ministry, it's every person functioning together to make the church what it is. Amen? So that's what we're going to look at, spiritual gifts. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. Stand with me as we read God's Word. And I say that out of respect for God. We are going to pay attention to Him, what He has revealed in His Word. Um, And so what He says is, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed, or more literally, ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, uh, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by that same Spirit, to other, another 
uh, gifts of healing for, by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And Lord, we thank you that it's by your gift, your, your knowledge, your understanding, your uh, unique design for each person, your unique relationship with each person, uh, that we have these wonderful promises, these wonderful gifts, these graces of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Uh, we don't always grasp uh, the, the height and the depth and the, the breadth of, of all of this, Lord. We, we oftentimes are stumbling um, to try to understand what the gifting of the Holy Spirit really is about, how it works. Lord, I, I pray that there would be some light um, cast on this today, Lord, that, that you would reveal by your Spirit, Lord, what it is that you want us to know, understand, and, and to uh, uh, then do, Lord, in response. What is it that you would like to, to see affected? What would you like to see uh, worked out, Lord, as we continue to grow, uh, to serve together, Lord, to see the church thrive healthy, um, and reach more and more people for your glory, for your kingdom, and for their sake. God, our, our nation, uh, our community, Father, needs Christ. And Father, I pray that you would use uh, your word to begin to just reach into people's hearts, to make them aware of their need for you, make them uh, open and receptive and ready to respond to you. Um, and God, that you would change their life, move them in the, to the direction that you have for them, uh, Lord, to have a beautiful um, relationship with you, uh, a, a peace that covers, that surpasses understanding, a purpose that is powerful and beyond uh, normal life. And Lord, we pray that in all these things, that most of all, you'd be glorified. So we just lift it up to you, commit it to you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're going to take this in basically three chunks, three sections. First section is uh, verses uh, one through uh, three, and it, and it says, concerning spiritual gifts, we don't want you to be uninformed or ignorant. So we need to understand that this is the foundation, the basis for the rest of the, the passage. Um, but then he, he continues to, to go on here. It says, um, understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And that sounds maybe a little bit hard to unravel. Like, what does that really mean? Um, and and I, I have a, a simplified like, understanding of what that means. In, in the first place, what it means is that um, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit lives in the, the heart of the believer. And so because of that, the Holy Spirit's job is to glorify Christ. And if that is true, what he's saying is that if you have the Holy Spirit, if you are a Christian, if you're really truly saved, you cannot, the Holy Spirit in you will not allow you to curse Christ. You can't do that. It's impossible. A saved person who has the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit in you will not allow you to curse Christ, blaspheme Christ. You can't do it. So that's the first thing that he says. That, that makes sense. The second part of it, though, maybe makes a little less sense or is a little harder to unravel. It says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. We tend to not necessarily believe that. 
okay? And here's what I mean, is that we have all kinds of people who are what we may say uh, are fans of Jesus. They may even say they love Jesus, and yet they don't follow him as Lord. And, and for the church, we say, well, it's not for me to judge, right? It's not for me to say whether they're saved or lost or in or out or, you know, wherever they're at spiritually. Like, if they say they love Jesus, that's okay with me, then, um, that, and then we kind of leave it there. And the reality, though, is that the scripture is very clear that there's a difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. And so what, what can happen is that people can, from a distance, say, I, I like Jesus, um, I, I love Jesus, he's a good teacher, he's a prophet, he's a whatever, a historical figure, um, he's, a, he's a force for good in the world, he's, you know, all kinds of things, and never come to a place of submission to him as Lord. And that's a problem, okay? If you are a, a fan of Jesus from a distance and you don't bow the knee to him as Lord, then, then you have missed what it means to be saved and to be a Christian and to receive the Holy Spirit and have eternal uh, life in his name and, and to have your sins forgiven. Like, he's not just a good teacher from 2,000 years ago. He is king he is Lord, He is Master, He is Ruler, He is Savior, and it requires that you bow the knee and, and pledge allegiance to Him as your King. And so, it says that, that that relationship between the Holy Spirit living in you and, and your admission of Him as King are so closely linked together, they can't actually be separated. They, they are intrinsically um, connected. They, they can't be separated. So it's a little bit like, I mean, you probably don't even need an illustration, but, but it, just so you would understand this from a human level, um, it would be like me saying, I love Molly. I love her. But I also um, want to have five girlfriends. So, well, what, you'd say, well, which is it? Because Marriage and true love and what we understand is fidelity and, and uh, all those things and that commitment requires that it's an exclusive uh, commitment that shuns all else, right, in that intimacy. It can't, you can't have both. I can't say I love her and then, then um, betray her like that. And yet, in Christianity so to speak, we do this all the time, or we allow for it all the time. I love Jesus, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to sin as much as I want, and I'm going to do what I want, and I'm not going to follow what God's will is. I'm not even going to discern or look for or desire or think about what God wants. I'm just going to tell you I love Jesus, and you're going to shut up about my spirituality. That's not faith. That's a defilement of faith. So, we're not saying that you live perfectly, but what we are saying is that the Lordship of Christ determines the rest of how you live your life. And you're not going to get it all right, and you're not going to ever get rid of all sin, and you're always going to be struggling with different aspects and different temptations and all the rest of it. But the Lordship of Christ is that I'm seeking to understand what He wants, and I'm seeking to do what He wants, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm gaining and growing and maturing in that. So... 
This is the, the, what we said, the foundation for the rest of the spiritual gifts. Why is that? It's because what happens is, as you understand the Lordship of Christ, it is in every area. It's not just on Sunday mornings. And it's not just when you're serving at church. When you have the Holy Spirit and He gifts you with a, a particular spiritual ability, then that lordship and that spiritual gift actually is lived out and, and manifested in every area of your life, in your family, in your school, in your workplace, in public, in your per- personal or private relationships, in your private life, in your, in your character. It's that lordship of Christ and the manifestation of the Spirit is evident in all those different areas. And then it begins to bleed into and overlap with the ministry of the church. So I'm not just spiritually gifted when I'm um, specifically doing things that I think are for God. Everything that I do is for God, and sometimes it, it folds into what I'm doing at church, right? So therefore, it changes this concept, because we have a problem, and our problem is that we all grew up, I think we all grew up, with these little blue and, and, and red balls that had the, all the different designs, holes in them. Remember that? And little pegs that were all different shapes. And you're trying to figure out which one goes where, and right? How many of you still play with those? Like, <laughs> if I see one, I'm going to start playing with it. Like, I just love to pull them apart and shake out the things. and you just They're fun. But we, we perceive... Um, our spiritual giftedness like that, right? That I am a wooden shape, and I'm a particular shape, and I need to find that, that, that hole in the church that I specifically fill, and I'm trying to put these two things together. And once I find my shape and the need in the church, and I put those together, then I'll be fulfilled, and my life will be better, and I'll be doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and blah, 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 and all the rest of it. And we we as leaders tend to kind of perpetuate that idea. And it's, it's unfortunate because I don't think that that's actually what is happening in Scripture because what that does is it leaves 90% of people outside of serving in any way. It's like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what... Nobody's invited me or, or told me what I'm supposed to do in the church, so I'm just going to sit back and wait for this wonderful combination to happen, and we've missed what Scripture actually says is the Lordship of Christ is over every area of my life, and the spiritual giftedness that I have is absolutely my gift. And it's my gift not just to preach. It's my gift in all areas of my life. And sometimes it tends to overlap with what I do at church, but a lot of times it it overlaps with everything else going on in my life. Okay? Okay? Did you got that, or is that still... You want me to go back to start from the beginning? It's my last Sunday for a while, so I got to get all this out. So here's the next uh, thing that we move into, is that there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So what happens now is that once you understand the Lordship of Christ in your life, powered by the Holy Spirit, then he moves into this interesting thing. It's diversity in unity or variety in unity. He's talking about the body of Christ 
is diverse. Every single person sitting in the pews, um, who listening on the radio, watching online, whatever, every person connected to the church is a unique individual with unique individual gifts, a variety, right? We're not all the same. We're all different, yet we're all united. We're a unity. And he uses the Trinity to help try to explain this. Okay, so he says, a, a variety of gifts, same spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, that's pretty obvious, varieties of service, but the same Lord, Lord, capital L, is always in reference to Jesus, second person of the Trinity. Um, and then he says, there are varieties of activities, but the same God. God is the general term for the Father, okay? And so he does something kind of interesting, he uses a Trinitarian formula, but he also does it in a you might call it a, a little bit of a generic way so that what you understand is God as a whole is diverse and, and he has this uniqueness about how he operates in, in the sense of his personalities, in the sense of his persons, and yet he's still all God, still one God. And he says the church is like that. You have uh, a body, and this is what First Corinthians 12 is all about, trying to explain or, or give you an analogy about how the church is diverse, and yet it's one church. So there are fingers, and there are toes, and there are hearts, and there are lungs, and there's eyes, and there's skin, and there's blood, and there's bones, and there's organs, and there's all kinds of stuff in the body. It's one body. And you, maybe you're a fingernail. I don't know, but you, you have a purpose. Now, you say, well, gee, I don't necessarily want to be a fingernail, but how would you feel if you didn't have any fingernails? Anybody want to go through the rest of your life without any fingernails? So something that seems as ridiculous as, I'm just a fingernail. On the other hand, if it were you, guess what? You need fingernails. And all I'm saying is that this is what Paul is trying to help you to understand. Just because you are not necessarily the more prominent thing in the church doesn't mean that you are not vastly important to the body. You're, you're hugely important. Every, every person, every gift, every expression of the Holy Spirit's gift in you is uh, very important to the health and the growth and the, the stability and the, and the progression of the church. We, it's not one thing that makes the church the church. It's everything working together. So I'm going to come back to that section, but... As he goes through, he begins to kind of list out some different gifts. And um, what happens is that we, in our, again, our human nature, we love lists and we like things to, to have kind of a formula. And so we take these things and we begin to say, okay, here are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are nine gifts in 1 Corinthians and wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, uh, miracles, prophecy, uh, distinguishing between spirits, or, or um, there's a... a not an interpretation, but a, forget it, tongues, <laughs> interpretation of tongues. Um, so you have all these nine things, and you say, okay, here's my list of nine. Okay, but also we have over in Romans, we have seven more gifts that are listed in Romans 12. And so now we have prophets, we have service, we have teachers, we have exhortation, we have contribution, generosity, we have uh, leadership, we have mercy or acts of mercy. And then you go over to Ephesians and you have uh, four or five more, uh, one, two, three, four, five, five more in Ephesians. These are offices. And you have, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. 
And then you have Peter, who gives us a couple, and he, he, he actually summarizes things down in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He says, each has received a gift. Now, let's just pause there for a second. That becomes the passage that we understand um, theologically determines that every person who is a saved Christian person who has received Jesus Christ as Lord has a spiritual gift. If you say, well, I don't know, I don't think I have a gift, guess what? Scripture says, if you believe in Christ, if you've received Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have a spiritual gift. Each person, okay, has received a gift. They use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, varied, okay, so it's various, it's diverse, it's everybody's unique. And then he says this, um, as good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So he says it's just like two basic categories. You, you are either in this, this category of knowledge, wisdom, teaching, preaching, etc., prophecy, or you're in this other category of, of uh, generosity and hospitality and works of, acts of service and administration. So you're probably one person who either loves to talk about the gospel and are good at it, or you're one who just likes to get your hands dirty and go out and serve and do things. Now, it doesn't mean that you might not be strong in both. It doesn't mean that you might not be more pre, predetermined like this one. I'm stronger in that, but I still can do the other one. It, it, I look at it like, uh, like Seth and, and myself, okay, in, in our ministry. I tend to be the more um, verbal in, in the sense of preaching, teaching, um, and Seth is the more active in the sense of being out and, and uh, hands-on and doing things and being there with people, right? Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not also able and, and quite comfortable being hands-on. It doesn't mean that he's not able and comfortable um, it, with the teaching and preaching, but we just have these different strengths, leadings, and maybe preferences, because that's how the Holy Spirit is working in us. And so here's what we see in these different lists of gifts, um, is that I tend to believe they're not exhaustive, they're representative. They're not, this is not like, okay, it's these seven, these nine, and these five, okay, and that's it. Okay, these 21 things, that's it. And just figure out where you fit into those things. It's not that, I don't think. I think it's, here's what it can be, but you are unique, and God is dealing with you in a unique way, and his power in your life is going to represent itself in ways that maybe aren't quite listed here. I mean, there are people that have gifts that are not specifically outlined, but I know that people have. You know, I know that some people have a gift of prayer, they, they, they have this deep, immersed sense of, of, of connecting with God, and when they pray, you feel that you're being prayed for, right? And you just, like, where does that come from? Maybe it's just that they have a great personal relationship with the Lord, and that's all it is, but sometimes it's like, I think the Holy Spirit has gifted that person with just a, a prayer gift, and, and there's many things like that, that are, you're, you don't know where you necessarily have to fit, and you don't have to Worry about that because you're not trying to figure out if you're a square peg and where the square hole is. You are a unique creation of God, loved by God, who has given you his Holy Spirit. And as you profess the Lordship of Christ, 
then the way that he's going to move in your life is going to probably generally be either verbal or it's going to be active. And you don't have to necessarily worry about it beyond that. And the more you do worry about what specifically it is, I think the more caught up you get into basically not doing anything. Because I don't know specifically what my gift is. I'm not going to do anything until I figure that out. Don't worry about it. Serve as God has called, gifted, enabled you to serve, and he will reveal where you can use that gift in every area of your life. So as it continues on here, I want to go back to that first section, it said, or that second section. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, same spirit, varieties of service, same Lord, varieties of activities, same God. Those three things, okay? First one is gifts, and this is uh, the word in Greek, charisma, okay? It's, it's grace, it's power, and it's, it's diverse, and it's as diverse as you and I are, okay? Everybody has this indwelling of the Holy Spirit that enables, empowers, and, and compels them to serve the Lord somehow, some way. Now, the, the point is that as Jesus is Lord, then he's Lord of your family, he's Lord of your, your job, he's Lord of your private life, he's Lord of, of, of your school, he's Lord of every aspect. So that's just a, a relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit to understand, God, what is your will in this context? Whatever context it is, God, what do you want me to do here? How do you want me to function here? How do you want me to be a witness here? Some people are very outgoing, some people are very reserved. One's not necessarily better than the other. It's just a matter of how God has is shaped you and what he wants to do with you in that context. But your thought in your heart should be, how can I glorify you in this context? That's it. How can I glorify you in this context? What's your will? And you think through, pray through, and, and, and seek the Lord's will in that in every different area that you function in that you find yourself in. And if you begin to compartmentalize, listen, you're in trouble. And you say, I'm not going to glorify God in that area. I'll just glorify him over here. And then I'm going to reserve this thing for me. And I'm going to do what I want over here. Then guess what? That's an area where God is, is probably going to humble you. And that's code for judge you. <laughs> humble you is probably better. He'll let you feel the sense of the sting of, I've been trying to do something over here that is apart from him. He's going to make that. If the Holy Spirit's in you, he's going to reveal that. Would you agree? This compartmentalization that we have in the American church is ridiculous. And how it ever came about, I don't know. Um, we got to get rid of that thinking because it's authentic and it's 100% of the time. I am a Christian always. Wherever I go, whatever I do, I'm always a Christian. And people do see and watch and understand that there's something about being a Christian that they need to, to have evidence of the Lordship of Christ. Okay, so there's varieties of gifts, same spirit, uh, varieties of service. So this means that there are different ministries, different things that we do for the Lord, and they're various so it's not one thing. What we tend to do is we elevate one thing because it's our thing. 
we make that one thing the best thing. It's the right thing. It's the, one, it's the thing that everybody should be on board with. Everybody should support. Everybody should get involved in. And uh, if you're not doing this one thing, then you're not a good Christian kind of thing, right? And that, that's a problem. It, it's, it's a tendency that humans have. We all have it. Like when we're, when we're all about something, we think everybody should be all about that thing, Right? But in the church, we have to appreciate, you step back and you say, look at all these moving pieces and how the kids' ministry works and how the youth ministry works and the men's ministry works and the women's ministry works and the preaching on Sunday morning and the worship and the hospitality and the helping hands and the, and the compassion and the counseling. and the, You just keep all these different things are working, moving, and having their influence and having their, their time and they're supported by all the different people that have a particular uh, gift and desire to be involved in that thing. So, let me say it this way. Um, last weekend, we had Helping Hands, and we had dozens of people helping with Helping Hands. Raise your hand if you helped with Helping Hands. And so, we had dozens of people being helped. We had dozens of people helping, and it was a wonderful thing, and... It was like a beautiful day of just, you know, serving. Now, some people are all about helping hands. And you should be all about helping hands. And you should get involved and, and do it and be uh, on the crew and out there doing things. But what if that, you know, one person or a few people that are all about helping hands said, this is the only thing we should be doing. And this is the only right thing that we should be doing. And this is the best thing. And, and so, therefore, guess what? Two times a year is not going to be nearly enough. In fact, every weekend's not enough. If this is the only right thing that we can and should do as a church, then we got to be doing that every day. And then we get everybody doing helping hands every day. And then the church will be fantastic because this is what we're supposed to be doing, right? And so that mentality, though, when you think about how that works, that's not how it works. It's a great thing, and those who, are, who love to do it should do it. And those who love to do mission work should do mission work. And those who love to work with kids should work with kids. And those who love to work with, uh, with teenagers should work with teenagers. And those who love to sing should be in, in, in the worship. And those who love to do counseling should do that. And those who love hospitality should do that. And if I make my thing the most important thing uh, to the exclusion of every other thing, then guess what? The church is going to become an eyeball instead of a whole body. That's not how the, how the body works, it's not how the church works, it's not how God intended it to be. He intended for the, the various ministries to be various, to, to have all kinds of expressions and to work out in all kinds of ways so that the, the, all the various gifts could be used in all their various ways, right? You're like, I don't know, I really like my thing. Like, okay, that's great, but get over it. There's other people love their thing too. So here's, here's the last part of it, is that it, it, I, I wish that there was a better translation. It says there are various uh, varieties of activities, but the same God. And what that word means is there are uh, a variety of um, effects. Uh, there are a variety of, of ways that God is going to produce uh, a result. Okay, so the effectiveness of what people do is going to be up to God, is what he's saying. God the Father is in charge of bearing the fruit for what you do. Your job is to be faithful. We have this thing where we have 
an expectation for what should happen. If I do X, then this should be Y. This should be the result, right? If I'm doing this, this is the result I want. I, I want every week when I preach to every single person who's in the sanctuary to come to the altar and have a moment with Jesus and their life be radically transformed and turn around 180 degrees. So every other week, your life is going to be exactly where it was the week before. That was a joke. Okay, so the idea, though, that you ought to have the result that you want is ridiculous, right? Who's in charge of the result? God is. So if you're faithful to do what you've been called to do, then you can rest and let God have control over what he's going to get out of it. And that's what he's intending for you to understand is that I, I'm not in charge of the result. I'm not in charge of trying to figure out what the result even should be. I'll let him deal with that. Um, about 10 years ago, we were at a, a men's conference, and um, one of the preachers, there were several, but one of the preachers um, was, and I just forgot his name, Harvest Guy. Greg Laurie, thank you. Uh, Greg Laurie um, was preaching, and he's, he's become maybe more well-known across the country because of the, uh, the Jesus... Uh, not experiment. Revolutions. Thank you, guys. You guys should be up here preaching, and I should be down there. But so he's, he's one of the characters that this, this movie and this book is, is about. And uh, when we were there, he was preaching. And listen, I love Greg Laurie. He's a great guy, a good preacher. Um, but I didn't walk away from that message that he preached and think, he's the best preacher I've ever heard in my life. Didn't think that. Thought it was good. I thought it was well done, um, but the gifting of the Holy Spirit in him to be an evangelist is astounding. Out of all the thousands of men that were in this conference, a thousand men responded to the gospel after his message. I mean, that's, that's not a he's really good at what he does thing. This is a result of God because he's gifted by the Holy Spirit, and God's going to get the results that he wants thing. And, and listen... Even if, <laughs> just to qualify this, even if you find exactly what God has gifted you and you, you fit right in exactly where you're supposed to fit and what you're supposed to be doing, doesn't mean that you're going to get a thousand responses to what you do. You're going to get the results that God wants. The results are up to him. God has just supernaturally empowered and gifted him to get those kinds of, of results. Praise God for that. I could get up there and preach the exact same sermon and not get a fraction of the results that he got because it's, it's God's job to get the fruit. It's our job to be faithful. And so here's what it ends up saying in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Why, why do we do this? There's a couple of things that happen in church, okay? One is that we get together, we worship, we want to be motivated, inspired. Um, we want to be, we want to have a moment with the Lord. We want to have our hearts kind of built up. Uh, we want to get ready for the week to come. You know, we want to have that moment. So that's, that's great. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We should be coming to church wanting to have an experience with the Lord, um, but it's not just for that. Remember, the, the whole point of what we do here on Sunday morning is to be a, a witness and an evidence and a manifestation of the body of Christ 
for the world to see. So we all participate in the various ways that God has gifted us, and each individual piece does its part so that we can be a whole healthy body for the common good, for each other's building up and growing in faith, and for the common good of the world to see an expression of Christ and the common good, which also means that me personally, you personally, um, as I do what God has called me to do and I'm faithful to do what God's called me to do, I grow spiritually. It's, it's not something that should be optional. It should be just as clearly taught and, and this is my fault, but it should be just as clearly taught as often as reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, fellowship, serving should be right there. It's not optional. It's part of what it means to be a Christian and growing as a Christian, that everything that I am doing is to serve the Lord and to build up each other and to be a witness to the world, and it grows me spiritually as well. Amen? Father, thank you. Thank you that... <laughs> You're, you're so mysterious in the ways that you interact with each of us, Lord. You, uh, you give us your spirit. You send power. You give us strength. You motivate. Um, sometimes you, you confront us, Lord, and where we're wrong um, and keep us accountable to that and convict our hearts about it. Um, but, Lord, we thank you that it is all done in love, that you love us so much, that you are so focused on us, Lord, that you, your heart is for us, that you have a, a, an intensity about paying attention to each and every one of us, that you want us to do the same. We, you want us to, to know you, to love you, to walk with you, to, to uh, allow you to, to have a- access to every corner of our lives, every corner of our hearts, every corner of our minds. Uh, because you want to make us the best possible versions of ourselves, Lord. And we can't do that apart from the power of your Spirit, apart from Christ, uh, because that's how we were made. And so thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're willing to fill each one, each and every one, to the limit and beyond, to help us to, to serve you, to serve each other, to serve the world. Um, and what a wonderful thing it is, Lord, to know that no matter where we're at, no matter how secluded we think we are, no matter how isolated we think we are, we have an influence, that we're, we are ambassadors for Christ, even if it's only to one or two people, Lord, we are ambassadors for Christ. We have a purpose in every, every corner, every aspect of where we might find ourselves. So help us to do that, Lord, to never forget it and to live it out for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to just invite you this morning, as the Holy Spirit is revealing something to you about what his word is saying, would you respond? Would you just say yes to him? So what that means you know, for some people is that um, you, you have been gifted with something. The Holy Spirit has gifted you with an ability, with a supernatural power, whatever you want to call it, and uh, you need to, to let that Holy Spirit expression, you know, be used. 
And for whatever reason, maybe you've been holding that back, you know, in, or seeing yourself like, well, I'm only spiritual when I'm over here and I'm not spiritual when I'm in that, those places. Um, and the Holy Spirit right now is saying, you know, you are my person everywhere that you go. And that's the commitment that, that maybe you need to make is saying, yes, Lord, I'm your person wherever I go. Use me wherever you want to send me. And, uh, and I'll pray for you to get the results that you want. Amen? This is a call to ministry. This is a call to witness. Most of the time, we'll give you a call to salvation. Um, today, it's a call to just serve. Serve the Lord wherever you are. And so, as the Lord calls you, make that commitment this morning. Let's stand and sing. The prayer team is going to come forward and be available for prayer. If you just want somebody to pray with you about anything God's saying, then please feel free to do that as well.